Hello, and welcome back to None of Us Is Yet A Robot, the podcast. Uh, if you did listen to my last episode, then I apologise. I have not put together a Canadian treat for you. Uh, I ended up just kind of having too much uh, fun and actually having conversations that I wasn't mindful enough to also record in podcast format. So we're picking up where the last episode left off. Uh, my name's Emma Franklin, for those of you who haven't listened before. I'm a trans woman and I'm a performance maker. And this month I have a book coming out, which is a collection of the last five shows that I've worked on. Um, and each of these podcasts is a conversation with somebody who was important in the making of that show. And this week I'm talking with Ivan McCaskill, with whom I made Rituals for Change, Rituals for Change, I've probably performed more than any other show in this series. I've taken it all over the world, I've performed it in different places, and we even made it into a film version, which you can actually see online for free if you uh, Google or if you go to my website, then you can find it, and I do encourage you to do so. This is the penultimate conversation in this series, but uh, I'll get to that later, and in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ivor. So here we go. Should we just jump right in and pretend that this is a podcast? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> cool. Um, well, hey, I'm joined on the line um, by Ivan McCaskill all the way from uh, Glasgow in Scotland. That is where you are, isn't it? <laughs> That is where I am, yeah. Yeah. I'm at home in Glasgow for once, so that's hey, good. What's the um what's your view like where you are? <laughs> well, it's very dark. It's getting dark like about four o'clock now. Yeah. Um but I'm looking out of the back window onto our communal garden area. So <laughs> if I look out the other window I can see the motorway. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It's kind of got to that time, isn't it, where you look out the window and you just, like, I don't know, it's weird whether you just don't want to see someone looking back in because it's so dark outside. Yeah, um, yeah there's yeah, people across the gardens that I can see. And I, because I can see right into theirs, I know that they can see right into mine. So yeah. queer people is what they have to see <laughs> <laughs> looking into their flat. <laughs> um, and how do you identify yourself at the moment? Can I ask? Yeah, you can ask. Um, yeah, at the moment I am identified as a queer trans male. Um, yeah, that's how I am at the moment. Cool. <laughs> Who is transitioning? A queer as we trans speak. transitioning male. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and how do you, how do you identify like yourself as an artist or a maker? Well, I never know what to say when people ask me that question. Yeah, I have got it down to, at the moment, being a live artist and theatre maker, because I think there are different parts of my practice that kind of fit into those different parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I make uh, I make quite, quite different kinds of work that looks like it's different, so some of it's for children, for um, a quite successful show that's touring internationally that's for under fives where I dress up as a polar bear um, and that's one part of it but then there might be another part that's more 
adult, shall we say, um, yeah. where I might be performing on my own or with my partner, Rosanna Cade, um, or I might be working with artists like yourself mm-hmm. on their projects. Yeah. So, yeah, my artist and theatre maker is sort of what I do at the moment. But then, of course, some people are like, oh, you make theatre, that means you make the sets and things like <laughs> that. So it just depends on context, doesn't it? It totally does. Yeah, I've, I kind of really... <laughs> bounce around all the terminology and like nothing's ever really kind of felt all-encompassing or just like it perfectly answers it because yeah that's kind of oh nice you make you paint the sets i'm kind of wish i did paint the set that's a real real, real nice job a real job (laughs) and people are like well but what what do you do and i always hate i always end up being like well like all of it and then that sounds really kind of weirdly (laughs) arrogant in a way that you know it's not supposed to be um, yeah, it sort of sounds arrogant and sort of sounds stupid. You're like, yeah. well, you could get someone else to do some of the <laughs> other things for you. <laughs> but no, <laughs> my um, ego is too big. But I mean, I kind of, you know, actually do always work in collaboration, which is mm. perhaps a nice segue into um, what I, what, why we're talking and what we're talking about in that, um, yeah. you know, you, you worked on Rituals for Change and... I mean, I feel like you worked on Hearty probably more than you feel like you worked on Hearty because I think I had you <laughs> with me as a kind of spectral presence. But um, you were there as a, as a sort of dra- uh, dramaturg, um, which also is a term that I think people have different um, understanding of, but I always kind of consider it to mm. be just, you know, somebody who's there in a role that others might consider to be a director, but perhaps in a more democratic um, way and you know with with less of a kind of the the phrase director always kind of has a kind of like auteur ownership connotation that I think dramaturg doesn't really carry you know they're someone who's there yeah. who's not on the stage um, but is going to be part of a team making a show and looking at it from the outside yeah I mean I think I'd see like my role quite often as a dramaturg position and sometimes it's also called the director but it's um, I'm more used to working with artists who have their own vision and to help them to kind of see that rather than me yeah. coming and saying, right, this is how I think it should be. So, um, yeah, that's how I do dramaturgy. Dramaturgy. And as we know, the dramaturgy that we did uh, together was dramatically tight. Dra- dramaturgically tight. Um, <laughs> exactly. Dramatically that's tight. my main aim. Tightness um, and all things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, can we start, like, reflecting again on what we did together? I mean, it's such a, like, a nice... I'm finding it very, um, really interesting remembering that time um, when mm. things were made. Uh, and I guess, like, Rituals, for me, came right in the middle of of the last six years. I mean, literally right in the middle of the last six years. But came... Um, like I was talking with with Rachel and with Maddie, and so much of that, the three, or so much of the, the the three pieces that came before that, were really about figuring out my transness and justifying mm. it and articulating it, and it was lots of like you know, um, lots of that really, and and kind of lots of dealing with shame and apologising and working out my privilege and my place in in things. Um, yeah. And I think Rituals was a bit of a shift. Rachel said the other day that when she saw Rituals, she kind of felt like, okay, this is where the work begins. And that everything right, that yeah. we'd done together had just been a kind of necessary 
you know, necessary to get out in order to be able yeah. to then make something like Rituals for Change. And I felt that was quite a fair, um, a fair sort of comment. But I mean, what do you remember from from it? Um, well, I remember it being summertime, <laughs> and uh, we were myself and Rosanna were staying at the Marley, and we were having what was quite a loose, kind of amazingly loose residency. I think I think that's when it was. Yeah. Um, yes. And and then we had we had met, but didn't maybe didn't know each other that well. And you asked me to come along, and I just remember you being in the theatre of the Marley with um, lots of bits of paper laid out on the stage. And I was like, well, there's loads here, <laughs> you know. Um, and just trying to, yeah, just mostly starting off listening to where you were at and listening to the bits of text that you'd been written, writing, sort mm. of um, in these range of ways of thinking about it and talking about it and, you know, the... Um, the different styles of the text that you were writing or the images that you were creating or thinking about and some of them being very poetic and some very down-to-earth and some very medical. Um, and so sort of, I just sort of remember entering that world of you creatively thinking about those um, ideas and those things that are really happening in your life and how to mark them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, like that, remembering it all laid out on the stage, because yeah. so the, the film of Rituals was shown at the weekend at um, this Fringe Film Festival in Hackney, and it was put up against another piece that was called um, Ripples, that was really amazing. I really loved the kind of short piece, and um, and they spoke of that that piece as being a collage, and it was a uh, made around a kind of uh, a fashion. Um, designer and some of their work and that their, mm. their piece their clothing pieces were very kind of collaged together and I thought it was a really perfect kind of place to put rituals against because although rituals feels quite cohesive now because of its dramaturgical tightness and the kind of you know the fact <laughs> that we've been performing it for a while that to me it feels so much like a collage of of different things and I think that was part of um certainly part of what we did together was was finding a way to bring those things together because I definitely didn't sit and write something that was 60 minutes through I wrote tons and tons of like paragraphs and snatches and sentences and bits and pieces um, which I guess for something that's trying to articulate lots of different moments and bring them all together was was quite um was quite appropriate but yeah definitely felt like a collage yeah, I mean, I guess the, the process of creating that kind of performance work, because you know the the material that you were creating could have had could have lots of different outcomes, and then you know since then you've had it as uh, you know it's in a book form or it's in um, text that's written down and uh, or in a gallery or like um, and now as a film, the fact that it can have these different outputs um, sort of. I don't know, sort of shows that it's it's all just like a series of choices that you make to kind of, yeah, stitch it together mm. um, in a kind of collage. And I think that sort of reflects the process of, of a transition where you're kind, where time is a really strange um, 
feels very strange within within that transition. Yeah. Um, and but you know, it's definitely time based. This is a thing where I will be like this at this time, and then in yeah. a year I'll be like that, or you know. Um, and you can mark it in those in those ways, and then look back and. Um, but at the same time, it's all uh, like a big swirling stew of stuff, yeah. and it doesn't follow that nice, neat um, narrative. But you're trying to make it make sense for yourself and for other people all the time. Yeah. So I think like the process of making a piece is very much like the process of making yourself through that transition. Yeah. Can you? Um, and and I think it's. I, I, I totally agree, and I think it's like the process of transition is absolutely like that but then certainly for us within the UK the being inside that medical system the process by which you have to articulate your transition or the way in which it's being uh, spoken about by people who are outside of the trans community is much more linear and much more the kind of an expectation that there's uh -huh. a story and it's going to be a really well-made play you know it's going to go from A to B to C to, to D um, yeah and so yeah, we're all trying to take this thing that is completely made up of different emotions, different feelings and contradictions and trying to somehow kind of squeeze it into a narrative that makes a, makes a satisfying story that begins with I'm not very happy and ends with I'm, I'm delighted with my, with my new body. Um, mm. And I think that's something that I always want to resist in the work is presenting that kind of neatness. Whilst really, yeah. with, whilst really with rituals... I mean, I think when we spoke in the ill-fated conversation that didn't get recorded, um, like, I remember kind of talking a little bit about how it was, it, it surprises me how much of a kind of love letter to transition and to the chemicals that allow my body to transition that it is, that at the point when I started making it, I was just like so happy and excited by what my body was potentially going to be going through. Um, and it's interesting to look back on that a few years down the line um, and yeah recognize what what worked out as I hoped it would and what perhaps has surprised me and um, where I mean because so, you know, as someone who's who is transitioning now and like this kind of so this super arbitrary thing of trying to put a kind of <laughs> having just said this is what we don't do is put a narrative timeline onto things but you know of course we are all we are all creatures trapped in time. And, um, like, do you feel, like, I kind of wonder if you're, you're at a point that is quite similar to where I was when you were working on this show with me. And I wonder if that, mm. if there's anything in those two experiences that, that you recognise or something. I don't know. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, well, where I'm at at the moment is that, uh, well, it, yeah, I'm definitely doing that thing of going, oh, a year ago, I hadn't even, I hadn't realised what I needed to realise. <laughs> and it was only, it was maybe like in April, May of this year that I started to say, actually, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trans and I want to transition and that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... And then I've sort of changed my name not that long ago and then... Uh, but then, yeah, having to um, 
Yeah, I guess like what I hear in um, in some of that is that kind of um, contradiction between the like the absolute magic of physical transition and what those kind of what the hormones can do for us. And there's this thing that I say a lot, I think, to people, um, which I read online. Some um, trans shaman in the states had written about it doesn't matter if the potions that we use the magic potions that we use are prescribed um or made by pharmaceutical companies they are still magic and i think with rituals oh. i really want because there's so much guilt and there's so much kind of other stuff that we ha- that that comes with it you know and, and and it is really political to kind of say well why can't i be if i believe that a woman can be anything she wants to be mm-hmm. why can't i be a woman who has a beard why do i not want that or why do i not necessarily want to be a woman who doesn't have breasts or whatever the thing is you know why do i have this this desire to take um uh, hormones that will change my body or to do modifications to my body if i fundamentally support the right of women to look however they want and it feels kind of uncomfortable and and then like um someone like paul preciado who's an amazing writer um says well you know people call me a hypocrite for saying all this stuff and then wanting and then taking testosterone what what can i say i am an embodied creature like what can i do Mm. um and so i think with rituals for change having made so many pieces that were really 
wrestling with the politics and wrestling with the theory around trans stuff, which is all really true and all really important, there is this other thing, especially if you're a transsexual, which is just about, oh my God, the satisfaction that I received from my body switching over from being testosterone predominant to estrogen predominant, the kind of glorious changes that have happened and continue to happen and just how like celebratory and magic that is. And I don't think that Rituals for Change is a shiny show. I think there's a lot of grit in it as well, for sure. But the fact that, um, yeah, I think that was a real, like wanting to just forget for a moment or not justify, not to have to justify for a moment why this was great. And then to just go look at and and this is also is you know something that's really central to rituals, which is why I think it resonates with people who are outside the trans community as well, is that it isn't just trans bodies that have this potential to change. So all bodies, all human bodies, yeah. or all you know, lots of bodies in nature as well. We all have this potential. So you know, some trans people choose to activate that, but we all have it, uh-huh. and that's really you know that's really quite. Um, quite something so I think think yeah that kind of body body and politic kind of um wrestle is really um it's really tough and I wonder did you see this this last couple of days this um thing on Twitter that blew up that the trans woman in the states wrote oh no for the so um this woman in the states has written a piece for the New York Times which is obviously um you know a few people read a few people have heard of it um, and the gist of, and, and it's really pissed off loads and loads and loads of trans people. Um, and the gist of it is her saying, I'm going to have surgery to give myself to, to have a vagina. Um, but it probably won't make me happy and that's okay, which is a super, rad statement <laughs> like it's absolutely yeah. brilliant and like you know the, the point of we shouldn't have to pretend that everything's great post-transition you know we shouldn't have to say that like this is going to solve everything it's all stuff that i really do believe yeah so this thing in the new york times in theory was really great and i kind of re- i read all of the um uh the things that were against it first so i went to read it full of like oh my god this i'm gonna hate this um, yeah. self-righteousness clever people have told me why I'm going to hate it and then the first like two paragraphs I was like oh my god this is fine like I totally agree with everything and then it right, yeah. and, and then she went and just threw everyone under the bus and, and it really um, was very unhelpful because for some reason whether it's her intention or whether it's the way it's edited or whatever I think it comes across that she's sort of well she's purporting her own experience to be a universal experience whilst at the same time saying that everything that everyone else says is is completely um, delusion, basically. Um, so it isn't good. <laughs> but that kind of central, that central kind of uh, idea, which is brilliant, about, you know, this doesn't have to make you happy, um, mm. I thought was really, um, I thought was really interesting. I can't remember how I got onto that. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, this kind of, yeah, being caught, being caught in this moment of all the excitement and the potential of transition, um, whilst also being caught in this moment, this historical moment, I guess, where also we're under this kind of intense scrutiny. And so there's so much justification and so much kind of political 
um, necessity to put a, a good face on it, I guess, you know, and be like, no, no, it's great. Hey, we're, we're all super happy because if you weren't super happy, why would you do it? Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a difficult, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, and I think um, I think that feeling like you have to hide your complex um, is quite is quite difficult to handle while you're trying to deal with with stuff as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So trying to present that brave face or that or that not brave face. I don't have to be brave anymore because now the wonders yeah. of medical technology mean that I'm all better. Um, but yeah, or also also that you should be able to be an advocate and be um be representing representing all of the trans community yeah. uh, or communities or that you have to present that there is a trans community. Yeah. Um it's you know, all that is not not easy yeah. when you've got a few things to think about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd never felt um I don't think I've really felt that often that I could be, I could express all of the vulnerabilities that I've that I feel and have felt since transitioning. That they came, that pretty much for me, with, with a medical transition came the necessity to be the person who was like really totally sorted and fine with it and to look after other people's feelings um, yeah. about it. Um, and I guess, you know, I don't know how much that, that is in rituals. I mean, I know Rachel and I were talking about how she definitely supported me a lot in the making of language and that, and I feel, I mean, I did feel really held by yourself as well while I was figuring stuff out. I think I have used the rehearsal room as a way to, to get my head around some of the things that I feel about myself. Um, Mm in a way that feels like it's been healthy and not like, you know, putting my th- putting something that should be therapy on stage or whatever the the not healthy version of that might might be. Um Yeah, I mean I think um I think processing things uh through through the art making is is a really useful it can be a really useful thing to do, but yeah, I suppose I suppose having that fear that you don't want it to be self-indulgent or just for you. I guess that's what we were talking about a lot, actually, within it, was um, how where are the ways in for people yeah. and where are the ways for you to not feel like you're vulnerable when you're on stage. So yeah. lots of what we were doing was like, how can you be totally kick-ass on stage and not, like, you know, how do we show... What what of your body do we show? What um, yeah. you know? What do you get to do so that you have time to um, be in the right zone in the right space and take your time at the beginning of it and um, and to have control? So it's definitely a performed thing rather than you yeah. simply bearing your soul. I guess that yeah, there was concerns or worries about you know will this be. Who who can this reach and um, and it, some of the work that we were doing was definitely to do like where where are the universal ways in for people and where are the ways for you to be completely in control of it so that you're not actually having to be vulnerable on stage um, and that you're you know 
making really clear decisions about when and how your body is seen on stage and um, how you can be the most sort of strong within that piece so that nobody's worried about you and it's not about um, yeah. it's not about the vulnerability that you have but but we see your vulnerability within it so it's kind of using those like sort of theatrical techniques in some ways to abstract what is very personal um, into something that is performed so like the idea of even performing the rituals while at the same time then being real rituals yeah. for you to do um, but that it gives you space and it gives an audience space to be able to, um, I don't know, not worry about you within, within the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, which I think is really important. I mean, I, I remember, mm. like, we, we, I do remember discussing about, okay, how can I be... I really wanted to show off my body my, because yeah. I've super, been super proud of it and, okay, here's my changing body. And I remember, like... There, there being the questions of well how much of my body do I show how much of my body can be naked mm. how much of my body needs to be naked um, and then you know this this moment where I'm topless for a moment I guess um, how that has felt and how that changes given how I perceive the mm. audience and who the audience is and whilst I, you know, I've yeah. always felt protection in that so even if I feel that the audience is not necessarily necessarily hostile but just like oh I don't know if I want to show you my my body that I still feel comfortable enough within the within the ritual and there was enough kind of ways for me to cover up and stuff but what I was really thinking of was the time in Leeds when we did the trans only performance so it was a performance that was for an audience of um trans including non-binary um including questioning um people only that there was this moment where I came out to do that final ritual where I usually would be covered with a blanket and just had this thought of like, oh, I don't need to do that here. And there was something about, even in a room full of strangers, something about the fact that everybody there had identified themselves as trans in some respect meant that I kind of felt my body was really safe and that they would be able to see my body for what it is with, you know, it's whatever, small breasts and broad shoulders and Adam's apple Mm. and like whatever, all of the kind of those contradictions um, in a really non-shocking way. And there was this beautiful moment where I was able to just like, oh, I don't need that blanket today. And then performed Mm. it. And it felt so liberating in a way that, you know, as as a woman experiencing what it is to be topless in various circumstances you know like it it felt really yeah it felt really nice to be um to be naked in that context be seen in that concept context um i mean that I, i wanted to ask again about that um performance because it felt significant in our uh well in in your journey and in our understanding of each other that um like I remember putting you on the spot as to whether you were going to come in, into it or not in a way that it didn't even feel, I don't know why it even felt like being on the spot because up until that point, like I had, you hadn't identified as somebody who was trans, but I don't know why, like it felt really important to ask you rather than to just assume that. And then like this kind of lovely, well, it was lovely for me because I was on the outside of it and I was just like, yeah, come on, another, another member of the gang, <laughs> come on in, the water's really nice. Um, and I do kind of feel like it's something to be really celebrated if 
you know, as people kind of, um, someone can, like, wants to identify themselves as trans, I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it might have felt more intense uh, than it was supposed to um, <laughs> for you. But like, yeah, I mean, it was the first time I'd ever run a kind of trans only affer- affer- affirmative space. Um, but yeah, what do you remember from that? Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a time when, um, yeah, I was becoming more and more aware that there was something about my gender that was, uh, I don't know, that was giving me questions and giving me a bit of gender trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I guess, like, because I've grown up kind of gender non-conforming and dressing very masculinely and um, identifying as a boy when I was little and um, I'm finding myself in all sorts of spaces where um, really would never be pushed to, um, I don't know, to act in any particular way because of my gender. Um, So, but all that kind of um, space to present as I want meant that I've never sort of put my cards on the table and never kind of Mm. thought actually this is these are my desires and these are my needs and um and it's more than just I want to wear boys clothes or whatever um and so I think what was interesting about that event was all of a sudden there was this um presentation of this show which I was I was watching every time you performed it and I was helping out with the technical stuff and moving all the earth and things yeah. that you, you use in the show. So it was like, okay, so normally I would be there anyway. And then just for that one performance, it was like, these are your options. You're either in the show, um, <laughs> as you would usually be, <laughs> um, with trans and non-binary, including non-binary uh, people and questioning people, or you go to the pub with some other, with some cis allies. And it was, all of a sudden it was this very intense binary for me of like, <laughs> Wow, I don't. I'm not sure where I'm going right now. Um, but I guess what was what was useful was that I was like, I really don't feel like a cis ally. I just don't, I definitely don't feel cis. Um, so that was like a little push. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I should probably just be at the show anyway because I'll be able to help out. And <laughs> so it was like a few little things that that meant that I ended up uh, going there. But I think yeah, it was. Um, a kind of week of like uh, things being pushed just a little bit, yeah. but in a really helpful and kind of safe way. And yeah, it was a really amazing performance. Um, and to recognise the power of of having those sorts of spaces, yeah. um, and to and for your work to be seen in that in that way, because I know that the whole the, well, a lot of the gender roadshow stuff was coming out of this sense of um, you know a lot of non-trans people feeling that you were telling their story which is lovely and beautiful and and great and what you would hope for for a piece of theatre um but maybe not the full story for you of like well actually it's not your story it's my story (laughs) or it's a trans uh it's it's different for for a trans audience basically yeah i think there's a there's been a real thing of like exactly as you say like it's wow how validating that 
other people will find this narrative familiar. And of course we do, because we are, to quote Paul Preciado again, we are all embodied creatures. So any piece of work that reflects on the having of a body and the being seen in that body, and, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be universal because that's a universal experience, um, having a body. But increasingly that kind of like the space that my work as the kind of theatre maker that I am or artist that I am, the spaces that it, it was being presented in in the context, just like feeling like, well, where are, where are the trans people? And and then, well, why aren't the trans people coming into these spaces? And, oh, it's because of lots of reasons. And, you know, it highlights that we are a, a very marginalised community and there's so many barriers towards just rocking up at Battersea Arts Centre or wherever, as there are for lots of lots of marginalised communities. And so, yeah, that Gender Roadshow Week was all about going, well, how can we, how can we get people, how can we, not get people, that's the kind of wrong thing, isn't it? But how can we, <laughs> you know, make a space that is accessible in the best kind of um, way that people feel that they want to come into, that people feel is going to be relevant to them, that be worth giving up their time for. Um, and, you know, that that took a lot of extra labor and a lot of um extra work on our on our part which we we did by support with like other activities and things but i mean it was amazing what an amazing kind of time it was with days full of kind of discussions like it felt more like being at a conference really or or some kind of um festival mm. and i was so happy that people came in those kind of numbers at the end of the week and it really felt like that local com- community in leeds by that point the word had got around of like it's okay we can trust these people and then people turned uh. up and then you know it was yeah it was really worth doing um before the phones cut out again <laughs> um <laughs> can we just talk for a minute about ritual um because that's something like I'm really mindful that the kind of the impetus for making this recording and having this conversation is because we're putting the words from Rituals for Change um, that we're publishing this book, which I think is really exciting. Um, well, I think it's really exciting because my work being put in a book. Of course, I think it's exciting. Um, I think broadly it's exciting because it's something that chronicles the last kind of six years, which I think has been quite an interesting time in the UK for um, the sort of the trans, the broader trans narrative. Um, and that the five pieces seem to kind of like speak to the time as well. Like I sort of feel like my transition kind of like is quite closely linked to the sort of the like national consciousness (laughs) transition. Um, Yeah, you would think that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, in, in that like I kind of did all my first really difficult coming out just before it all like broke and became every fucking week of the Sun newspaper. Um, yeah. And, you know, so there's a there's a point where, like, as people, you know, people now who I, th- I think most people in the UK have some kind of opinion on trans people, whether they're like, oh, I don't care, or, I yeah, I support them, or no, they're a threat to our, um, our lives and our children. Whereas maybe six years ago, a lot of people just wouldn't have had an opinion because they'd be like, what? Oh, what is that? Is that a bit like gay or whatever? Yeah. Or they wouldn't really have known. Um, but, um, so yeah, anyway, that. <laughs> so, but putting it down on pages, it's like, it's an interesting thing for this 
show because so much of it was the physical rituals that have no words. Um, mm. And I wondered what you remember about the creation of those rituals or what they were, what they were intended for or how they've evolved. Um, or yeah, what, what, cause I mean, the show's called rituals for change and fundamentally <laughs> like there's, there's these nice bits of talking around, but for me, it still feels very much like everything else is there to support these four or five moments of ritual. Um, mm. but yeah, what's your, what are your recollections? I mean, I think, yeah, of, of course, well, yeah, it is called Rituals for Change. Um, and I think those those rituals, I mean, for me, the the rituals are interesting because part of their genesis came from um, these mysterious times that you'd be having in Cornwall. So it was like, it wasn't when we were talking about how are you going to say this line or um, when are you going to move over there? It was uh, these things have been created somewhere that I didn't know as well. But mm. So, you know, and you'd come with these pictures of the sea and clay and um, all these amazing images. And then it was like, okay, so how are those weaved into the um, into the work? Um, and how do you retain elements of that? How do you retain that sense of you're in, in the forest or you're in the sea when actually you're in a black box yeah. studio or... Um, and that that was the kind of um, that's the interesting thing for me as well of like how how can we have these sort of spiritual times or things where we really engage fully the body while we're trying to um, I don't know yeah, uh, rationalize our existence. So mm-hmm. um, so for me, what's interesting in the in the piece is like that there are these these texts and these. Uh, rituals, and there's the space that's being created and this tower that's being built, um, and so it's a way that they all kind of work together. Because I think we did we did speak it. There's there's definitely a version of the work that is only the rituals and no text, or mm. just one part of it, um, or when you, you know when you performed it in uh, in Paris, there was that sort of element of what we don't. This isn't the full piece, but it's part of it and how does each how does each element kind of hold the whole within it as well yeah. um, so I think uh, but yeah I remember that idea that um, some of these rituals as an audience member you won't know what they're for or what they're doing necessarily but that you can um, you can sense the importance of them or the yeah. the journey that they're taking you on and you know is it something that you're repeating to remember a feeling or that you're um is that a kind of catharsis that you're trying to get let go of something and get something out mm. um are you trying to call something up or join everyone together so i think what's nice is that there's just well, not nice. <laughs> What's effective is this, and, and affecting is this um, sense that each ritual is is doing a job, mm. but but part of the job is really to is really creating you as a person mm. and um, and giving you space um, and a kind of and a future and a way through time. Um, so yeah, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
I do remember. I mean, it's interesting you say that saying about them being created and about the mystical kind of times in, in Cornwall and stuff. Because I guess you know it did come like after a lot of sort of because I was I was engaging with rituals um, in my own life and in my own uh, transition as well. And and yeah, I guess had those moments that had felt very profound. And then also going off with Myth and the, who designed the show and who's the other kind of main collaborator on it and and working with materials and I guess Myth and I kind of identifying that we wanted to use salt and earth and ink and water and clay um, mm. and very much that decision coming from a point of not wanting to be appropriative like feeling like okay as a white English person um, what is ritual as someone who's not who doesn't practice a religion what right do I have to come in to you know to come and 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 create something that has a sort of ritualistic thing and so we looked into our own um kind of uh cultural history and at what you know and you know as uh i don't know i'm I'm like laughing to slightly undermine myself but also that um i do kind of believe that it is a very spiritual thing to be trans and that you know trans women are all witches um and so that also kind of gives a lot of um a lot of reason to why the ritual like i was having a conversation with some other trans people recently and we were talking about why does all of our practices revolve in some way around ritual and it's feeling like this is you know it's something that we come to that feels very natural to come to and then you look at the kind of historic role of trans people in um in in communities around the world and often we are involved in ritual practice somehow and you know the the rational side of my the western side of my brain um gets spun by that and then the sort of feeling in my body is completely at one with it so you know that's the kind of the, the, the where's and the wife was but wanting to come to it wanting to use materials that felt like they were part of my cultural tradition and so what would come out of Cornwall and what would be in the kitchen and and all of those things. So we we had like the recipe book, which was <laughs> ink and salt and earth. Um, and then we had this idea of, you know, what those things are used for um, in witchcraft or in spirituality or in Christianity or whatever. But then also wanting to make something new. And what I quite like about Rituals to Change, certainly three years on, is that I do feel significant performing the rituals because they've become personally significant you know i've performed these rituals whatever 50 times and so of course there's a significance to them now just through having you know having done them and embodied them um but then there is still a point where you're just going what can i do with salt that is visually attractive and maybe feels good (laughs) maybe i'll just pour it on my head oh no that feels stupid like okay you know, and like I constantly think with the the ink and salt, Richard. It's like, what am I think? Why am I putting salt in my bra? That's like salt and ink in my bra. It's like a <laughs> kind of feels like an odd move, really, like an odd play. But um, but then so much of ritual is when you get down to it. Um, but yeah, like I think we had a good working relationship in that respect. That I felt I could really trust you to be a good sounding board for when something was too odd <laughs> or, or or like wasn't reading and be like is that you know if I put this thing like if I put it up my bum is that weird oh yeah that is a bit weird or whatever yeah. um, 
if I put it in my bra, that's okay, you know. And but we had, I felt like quite quickly we were on the same wavelength with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I guess there's, with that, there, there's lots of ways to go with it as well. And it could, yeah, you could go. Yeah, I, I guess it was. Um, yeah, finding ways for it to balance with the form and, um, you know, the, I said that the context was going to be sort of more theatre spaces rather than actually being out in the woods or something. Yeah. So um, that that kind of led it a bit as well, I guess. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then how to match it with the tone, the different tones being created by the other elements of it. So, yes. Um. The other thing I thought as as you were talking before was, you know, talking about being part of moving the earth and how much of a group effort I've always felt this show was. Um, and it really looks like a solo performance, but there's no way I can ever perform this show on my own because it's so, mm. there's so much stuff, you know, and there's like the yeah. building of the tower. But also there's like the, the deconstruction of everything, you know, that I finish the the performance and I'm covered in clay and I have to just... I have to go to a shower because otherwise everything I touch gets covered in clay and it's really unhelpful. And so, you know, that is significant how much support there's always been around my body in the performing of this show. Um, Mm. Perhaps never more articulated than when we were in that trans-only space. But that actually we've always been really specific where it's been performed. We haven't just like bunged this out wherever. We've always been mindful of you know, is this a good context to show it in? How will it be held? How will the audience perceive it? Yeah, um, totally. And I think, yeah, I think just those, maybe it happens quite naturally, those considerations, or that there's, there is a good rapport with the, the venue and that there is a sense that, I guess there's a sense that if they are booking the work, there may there will be a level of understanding so that when you say, I need a shower, that's not um, the strangest thing, or that you need to not have people walking through the space, whoever they are, whatever, yeah. because you might be half naked or something. Um, but that's, yeah, and maybe, I guess, maybe in other situations, you would have to work on that a bit more if it was going to go into other contexts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think... Um we've always been able to we've always been able to look after it um and look after look after myself within you know within the spaces it's gone to um i feel like we've got to wrap up because i know you've got another another call um but um just kind of like as a final thing what given that we're recording this in november 2018 in the cold and the dark and it's going to be put out there in the spring as everything feels light and coming around like you know coming to light again and who knows what things will be known by then that are not known now but i mean what are are there any moments that you can like put your finger on since 2013 when we were making this to now or do you feel that there's a diff do you feel that there's a different context politically or um going on for trans trans lives yeah absolutely I mean I think what's what's interesting for me because it's all about me um, is that now my um, my sort of social world is more um, 
saturated with trans stuff. So I have there's more trans people in my feeds, social media feeds, and there's more. I'm more aware of um, some of the political stuff going on, which means I'm then more aware of the backlash which happens against trans visibility. Yeah. Um, and it's this interesting thing of wanting, because I'm kind of feeling like I'm new to it, I want to know everything. But then as soon as you start to let that in, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to know that. I don't want to know that there are people who don't know me who think I shouldn't exist, you yeah. know. Like, yeah, there's definitely, like, I think that, looking back to that time for me as well, and um, I was definitely... Right, opening myself up to more experiences of different ways of thinking about gender or embodying gender, mm-hmm. um, you know, living at the Marlborough Theatre for a summer and being engaged in that. And um, I think we just missed Trans Pride or something, but, right. you know, the, I was just aware of, yeah, being around more people who were... Um, exploring their gender and uh, or being trans or um you know all that jazz and there was definitely something in me that was seeking that out yeah so i guess around that time was was definitely a shift of that feeling possible so having not really spent very much time with um many trans people uh up in glasgow or in in my um I think that was then shifting, and it was also mm. shifting into more um, more queer situations as well. Um, and then, yeah, and then I guess since then, that's that's meant that there's more, just more. Mm. <laughs> and um, and I've been putting myself in in the way of of those different lives to be able to see how that might become my life. Mm. I guess. Um, and then, yeah, and then as time's gone on, you know, yeah, more people in my social media feeds um, talking about trans experiences. But yeah, as I was saying, it's like then, then you're also open to the the backlash against that visibility as well. Yeah. So you, with all this, like, oh, look at all these amazing, wonderful people living their lives and yeah. um, and doing what they need to do, then you have the the people who don't want you to do that yeah. so it's it's kind of a strange thing of like oh but I'm just getting into this and this is really fun and then I'm being told that I'm, I have to be even more of a, an oppressed minority than I was when I was just identifying as a lesbian or being yeah. just queer and now it's like oh this is the worst thing that you could be or something I don't know um, so that's that's definitely a change. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, um, but it's, yeah, it's quite a big thing to yeah. to become. <laughs> so it's not just a, even though it's so personal and so has been to do with so much kind of individual soul searching. It's then like, oh, and now you're part of this yeah. other big thing <laughs> that you have to engage with, <laughs> or do you? But yeah, I mean, you do have to a bit. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny because you say like you know you I wouldn't change it, and I was thinking like ah, oh, I mean, surely we would change it to be <laughs> well, like yeah. not not that if we could. But then, but also I can I I think there is something in the experience that 
I probably wouldn't change, and like, whilst of course mm. I would change violence against trans people and bullshit misinformation and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know what? What I wouldn't change is like, yeah, my journey from living as a straight white guy, I guess, although I never was that, but being accorded all of that privilege to. Um, to where I sit today feels like I mean, it feels like so lucky. I feel so lucky to have um, been able to to go on that, to, to have that experience. It's not a journey, fuck that. Uh. You know, to, to be open to that experience. And something that I mean, I was chatting with Rachel after we finished the re- recording, actually. But like, I feel like something that's significant in the last six years um, politically has been Black Lives Matter, um, uh. and. You know, I'm really mindful about not equating trans experience with um, the experience of people of colour or whatever. I, I, I think that's something we have to be um, to veer away from because it's kind of a lazy way of articulating things. Um, so I don't mean from that perspective, but just in terms of like this kind of oh, global consciousness feels like the wrong thing, but like a lot of different causes becoming vocal in the last five years I'm not even sure kind of when that like kind of thing as a thing to be coined um, would have happened but I feel like the impact that that's had on my awareness of intersectional experiences and other experiences that are not mine and there's something that like I feel when I was I mean longer than six years ago when I was first doing my kind of illicit research into being trans and like trying to find people on the internet and reading blogs and looking on tumblr and all that kind of stuff it was so many radical voices and really politically engaged trans people that i really kind of was given this sense of um we the liberation has to be for everyone it can't just be for the people who are you know it can't just be for what's she called the the Republican the famous one Um, (laughs) you know uh, Jenna Caitlyn Jenner like it can't just be for um, for the Caitlyn Jenners of this world um, you know uh, or for the trans people who kind of don't really give a give a shit and they're happy in their transition and they want to forget about it Um, and that's something that with the like increased visibility I'm not sure I always hear so much in trans discourse um, the bigger Mm. kind of discourse but certainly within like the groups that I like to keep um, it still feels very much kind of at the heart of um, of the way that um, people talk about things, and I feel like you know I've had to cha- I've it's you know I've challenged myself on that, and I've learned kind of so much the last few years. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I guess it's it's that complicated thing where you you. I feel that you sort of have to go round and round quite a few times, maybe maybe infinitely, in terms of looking to yourself and going, where am I at and what do I need and where, you know, how, what shifts am I making within my, you know, own existence and then how is that, how is that part of the rest of it? How does that, that connect with, with other people as well? And then... Yeah, I guess it's like rings of um, connection in some ways mm. as well. Um, and But yeah, and I guess 
I guess this um, this awareness of what can be called identity politics is is a newish thing where the um, you know kind of attacking liberal ideas you know in that uh, in that political sense of and I, I think I've been shocked by that idea that that what identity politics are is is a bad thing from mm-hmm. <laughs> from certain people's points of views um, whereas I've always I've always thought oh I'm on the I'm on the good side because I'm on the left and I know that people are oppressed and I don't think it's a good thing that people are oppressed and I know about, I can see inequality, I can see it in my own life and my own experience and I can see it much more in different people's lives as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the idea that um, some people can turn around and say, well, that's that's just identity politics and that doesn't work and we shouldn't be thinking about that is... Like I don't know where to go from <laughs> from yeah. there, um, because I've been so sort of brought up on that idea of, um, you know, that you should look out for people who are being oppressed, or you should yeah. try and change um, inequality wherever you see it. So it's yeah, I find that a kind of strange stopping point, or um, yeah, or the idea that those people who are minorities are somehow getting a much better deal than the regular Joe or whatever. Mm. Like, it's quite hard to kind of, to, to get yourself out of that conversation. Mm. Um, but I think that sense of, um, I mean, it just all feels expansive. It all feels expansive. And I guess I feel mm. like, fundamentally, it's expansive in an exciting way, which is why yeah. I don't understand the, the you know, the pushback that see well, well, I understand some of the pushbacks against trans issues, but the one that feels the hardest to bear is the one that comes from the left, right? Because you're like, really, like mm. what? We, you know, as you say, we're supposed to be the good guys. We were the, you know, we were the good guys, <laughs> and I think it's probably a positive thing that um, that we begin to interrogate what the notion of being a good guy um, might be. Um, mm. And but I mean that all, and it may, and maybe it's hard to unpick what is the timeline of the world and what is my personal, as you say, there's like the kind of the personal Emma Franklin journey, um, and whether it's just that like you know that's my own timeline. But I do feel like I am, like I say, I, th- I feel like I'm kind of in sync with this broader uh, opening up of things, and I think that that's not because I'm Jesus. I think that's because. <laughs> Um, I of the internet and I'm of the age that I am and I'm a person who was not an early internet adopter because I'm not a coder and I was never a computer geek and I, was ne- I don't really understand them so I feel that at the point when information online became accessible to the broader public uh, as in people who can just you know like when there were web pages and there were like things that I could just click on as opposed to having to actually like go into forums and you know code a page or whatever the people who I perceive as being like 10 years ahead of me maybe um, often seem to be in those kind of early chat rooms um, environments. So, you know, I think the reason that I feel like in line with the more global thing is because I think that that's the age that we are, those of us who lived through the emergence of the internet. Um, and, it yeah. just, you know, we, it took us all about, about the same amount of time to find the information and to find the ways of 
connecting with each other and so that, that you know maybe I don't know that kind of seems like some kind of theory that probably people who don't know about this stuff have written about <laughs> but um, I don't know let's make make theatre what are we theatre makers <laughs> artists let's do a, let's do a kids show shall we <laughs> polar bears yeah why not oh that sounds good about now um thank you so much that's probably um not a bad place to stop except that i just except that i just spoke for ages and then didn't give you a chance to respond was was there anything that (laughs) that you wanted to respond to um no i agree (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i guess yeah um yeah i guess i'm i'm excited about the place that we're in um and yeah the potential of of where we're at but i guess it's uh it feels like a hard a hard struggle to go through as well yeah. and the fact that lots of people are having to have an individual struggle um because people uh it's not it's not possible for it to be like a collective struggle all the time when people get p- picked out as individuals yeah um and that's that's the difficult part of it i think um yeah. But yeah, but we're we're getting somewhere. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I feel like it's a whole other kind of road to go down for another time about like what mm. it is about trans about being trans in particular that that we are always going to come back to the individual because of this idea about being an embodied creature and you know the body is singular and. Um, so it always comes to us in in that respect, but um, but yeah, I mean, like that thing of there's so much that it would be nice to change, but also it is a very engaging time to be in transition mm. and politically engaged with trans issues um, and making art around it, and you know, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't change. Well, it wouldn't change, but I certainly welcome the energy that is around at the moment and you know yeah it's it's tough and it's tough for a lot of people and it's tougher for a lot of people than it is for us but um yeah i do feel like increasingly we we have spaces to to check in don't know that's an optimistic Mm. point to end on (laughs) yay um but thank you um i do hope we can um keep talking and keep collaborating and um yeah doing stuff and i'm so excited i'm so excited for, for, for where you are as well with with your transition like it is it's wicked it's so like we get bogged down in all the bad stuff but it is so cool that we live yeah. in a time where we can make these changes to our bodies that just ah uh, it's exciting <laughs> and yeah i wish you all the best Thanks. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, it's good. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna hit stop record. <laughs> okay. For a second, <laughs> right. So thank you for listening, and thank you to Ivor McCaskill for being my guest, and to Disparition for the music. You can find more about Ivor's work at ivormccaskill.com and you can find more about Disparition's music at disparition.info or through a number of the wonderful Night Vale Presents podcasts. 
My book, None of Us Is Yet a Robot, Five Performances on Gender Identity and the Politics of Transition, comes out on June 25th, which is very soon from now. Uh, but you can pre-order it or even post-order it at oberonbooks.com. And we are having a launch party on June 25th with amazing performances from trans artists like Morgan M. Page, a Binary, Sabira Wahogo, and Noah Carvajal. And tickets are free. Right? You can book them at Eventbrite. And if you're listening to this in a world where June 25th, 2019 has not yet happened, then you can still get hold of some and come on down. Finally, a lot of the work I do, I make for free. And although I sometimes receive funding, often I do not. And to this end, I finally set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a great way to support independent artists to keep making the work we make. And you can find me at www.patreon.com forward slash Emma Franklin. And should you be able to, then you can support my work with a monthly donation, which will enable me to keep doing the work I do. That is difficult to fund working with trans people in the UK and around the world, writing, performing, and of course, recording podcasts. And I promise there'll be a season three and even some Canadian content. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe and tune in next week for the final installment of this little run of podcasts. Uh, the episode about Hearty, uh, I didn't record. That was part of the understanding that I had with uh, the person that I recorded it with. So although there's a conversation that is in the book, that's not going to be available as a podcast. But there is one more to come, which was a conversation with Travis Alabanza, where we sat down and answered the question, or tried to answer the question, what comes next? So I'm going to try and release that uh, before or around the 25th of June. And uh, I hope in the meantime, you have a wonderful week wherever you are. Stay safe. Stay safe.